My name is Diane Pabin with TP Farms in Waller, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Kerry Martin. Hello, Texas. It has been one windy week, hasn't it? I hope you've been holding on to your hat. I've sure been holding on to mine, and I've got another episode of Texas Ag Today ready to go for you. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, sustainability is the big word in the cattle business right now. The cattle feeding sector is no exception. We'll check in with Ben Weinheimer. He's CEO and president of the Texas Cattle Feeders Association. He'll give us an update on what's going on in the cattle feeding sector when it comes to sustainability. We'll have that story coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. There's been a lot of discussion already about the anxiety farmers are feeling about inputs for this season. But there's also concern about what lies ahead for next year and beyond. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. West Texas Strawberry Production. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and we'll have a report on what it takes to grow strawberries on the High Plains on Texas Ag Today. Many Texas soils are acid soils. That is, the soil pH is less than 7. Soil acidity is caused by various environmental, climatic, and cultural factors. We will talk about why soil pH is critical for forage production. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. With the climate issue taking center stage over the past year, the cattle feeding industry in Texas is working to tell their sustainability story. Ben Weinheimer is president and CEO of the Texas Cattle Feeders Association. Well, we've spent a lot of time, you know, over the course of the past decade, uh, really working to fine-tune our message around beef sustainability uh, and do that in a positive way, you know, not, not in a way of having others tell us what that means, but about really putting our best foot forward and, and messaging around the good things that we do in terms of protecting the environment, providing a safe uh, workplace for our employees, and then, of course, uh, you know, being economically viable, being profitable uh, for the long term. And efficiency is a big part of that story. We've, uh, over the years, you know, supported a lot of research practices, uh, research projects that have then in turn you know, resulted in practices that we've implemented in the feed yards, whether that be through our feed milling technologies, uh, animal health products, and different um, you know, ways that we've been able to increase our productivity and uh, reduce our use of natural resources at the same time. Weinheimer says cattle feeders probably won't see an immediate increased income source when it comes to carbon sequestration or reducing their carbon footprint, but he hopes that opportunity may be coming down the road. The recent wildfires across Texas have created a huge need for hay. 
There is an extreme need for hay in parts of the Texas Panhandle that have been impacted by recent wildfires. Andy Holloway, the Hemphill County Extension agent, joins us with more. We don't produce hay here like they do in other areas where it rains a lot more. And so our ranchers, one, don't use as much hay, but they don't put up as much hay. And I've already put the word out on social media that if someone wants to donate, we need hay resources brought out here to us. Holloway says ranchers will also need physical help as livestock are out in some places. There are also water issues with fires impacting solar panels that power water wells. And there are people who've lost their barns, fences, and their homes. You can reach Holloway at the Hemphill County Extension Office. You can also donate to the Texas Farm Bureau Wildfire Fund that has been set up for farmers and ranchers who've been impacted by those wildfires. Details are available on the Texas Farm Bureau website. For the Texas Farm Bureau, Ray Network. I'm Jessica Dommel. Corn planting here in Texas has slowed down a bit over the past week, but we're still moving forward. The latest crop progress and condition report showing 54% of the corn crop planted here in Texas. Sorghum planting now stands at 43% done, and we have 6% of the Texas cotton crop now in the ground. Texas farmers are very concerned about input costs this year, but James Hunt tells us there's also concern about next year and beyond. The market situation certainly looks strong for those who raise a corn crop in the Texas High Plains this year, but David Gibson of Texas Corn Producers indicates margins could be tight. If we do a good job of marketing and managing our inputs, Right now, we still have a chance for some profits for this year. It's the input side of the equation that causes concern. Gibson says apprehension about inputs is especially weighing on farmers who are trying to strategize for 2023 and beyond. What I'm really hearing more of talking about prices and planning is some of them are looking at 23 December futures for next year's crop. A lot of people are planning way ahead in the farming world now and saying there's no way we can plan anything for 23 because we absolutely do not know about input prices. Right now, a lot of the fertilizer prices and things for 22 have been pretty well locked in. A lot of it's been put on. So with these current today prices, they feel pretty good for this year. There's big, big questions for looking into 2023 in the future. A lot of concern right now about inputs. Irrigation is, of course, a major input for those who grow corn and other crops in our area. And here's a calendar note. Texas A&M AgriLife has a program coming up next week online on the subject of water management. AgriLife experts discussing things like how to measure soil available water and irrigation timing. That's Wednesday, April 13th at 10 a.m. Contact AgriLife Extension to find out how to access that program. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. When you think of agriculture in the dry climate of West Texas, you probably don't think about vegetables and strawberry production. But Tom Nicoletti says there are a few strawberry and vegetable growers in that part of the state. According to the latest U.S. Department of Agriculture crop report for Texas fruit, vegetable, and specialty crops, watermelon producers in the southern high plains are preparing for planting. Meanwhile, watermelon planting is underway in northeastern Texas. Pecans and the Trans-Pecos are being irrigated. Vegetable planting continues in south-central Texas and in southern regions of the state. 
Meanwhile, Texas AgriLife Extension Vegetable Specialist Russ Wallace talks about growing strawberries on the High Plains. Eddie Griffiths reports from Lubbock. We're visiting with Russ Wallace, our vegetable specialist, and something you wouldn't talk about regularly when you think of West Texas as strawberries, but Russ, you've been dealing with strawberries in West Texas for a good while now. Yeah, we've been uh, doing research on them for almost 10 years, and uh, we do have a couple of growers around here that are trying to be successful, but we've had several grants over the years, and this year we've got a uh, Texas Department of Agriculture grant, especially crops block grant, evaluating all aspects of strawberry production here and across the state. How hard is it to grow strawberries here? Well, it takes a little bit of work as with all, all horticultural crops, uh, especially in a year like this where it's really dry, you got to keep the water on them. In high plains, you need to keep them protected. So we use low tunnel plastic and cover them with small hoops and that protects them from the wind and the cold temperatures. This year, the crop actually looks really good. We're anticipating a good crop. So it is a little bit difficult. And if people are wanting to grow them, I would suggest giving us a call and also starting out small, learn how to grow them first and then expand. That is Texas AgriLife Extension Vegetable Specialist Russ Wallace, along with Eddie Griffiths reporting in Lubbock. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Soil pH is critical for forage production. Texas A&M Forage Specialist Vanessa Olson explains. Soil acidity reduces plant nutrient availability and increases aluminum and manganese toxicities. As pH drops below 5.5, the concentration of soluble aluminum increases and becomes toxic to plant root growth. Below pH 5.2, the concentration of manganese also increases and can become toxic. Optimum nutrient uptake by most crops occurs at a soil pH near 7. Some plants are more sensitive to acid soil conditions than others. It is important to understand which species are more sensitive to soil acidity so limestone inputs may be made at the appropriate time. For specific crop recommendations, contact your local county extension agent. The availability of fertilizer nutrients, such as nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, generally is reduced as soil pH decreases. Reduced fertilizer use efficiency and crop performance can be expected when soil acidity is not properly controlled. Timely soil sampling is important because limestone requires both soil moisture and time to neutralize soil acidity. Early sampling and limestone application several months in advance of crop growth provide time for pH adjustment. Soil pH fluctuates during the year, becoming lowest in the fall, in part because of fertilizer applications and plant removal. Under intense grass production using high rates of nitrogen fertilizer, sandy soils will rapidly increase in acidity. Soil pH should be routinely monitored as part of annual soil testing to determine crop nutrient needs. The Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Services Soil, Water, and Forage Testing Laboratory in College Station evaluates soil pH and provides a limestone recommendation, where appropriate, as part of a routine soil test. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension in Overton for Texas Ag Today. There are several common foods that are fine for people, but toxic to dogs and cats. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Wildfires swept across central and west Texas in March, burning over 86,000 acres. 
Fires devoured pasture land and farmland, as well as livestock, homes, barns, and equipment. The Texas Farm Bureau West Texas Wildfire Relief Fund is ready to help. Farmers and ranchers with unreimbursed agricultural losses are encouraged to apply for assistance. Monetary contributions to the fund are also being accepted. Go to TexasFarmBureau.org to learn more. That's TexasFarmBureau.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. There are several common foods that are fine for people, but toxic to our dogs and cats. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at which foods you should watch out for. Dr. Christine New is a member of the Texas Veterinary Medical Association, and she wrote an article on Tex-Vet pets concerning toxic foods in dogs and cats. She indicates large numbers of animals are presented to emergency clinics for eating toxic foods and medications. There are many normal human foods that are toxic to pets, so it is critical to keep all food in cupboards behind childproof doors. And I am going to mention a few of those most common foods today. If ingested, macadamia nuts can cause an elevated heart rate and temperature, weakness, muscle stiffness, tremors, and vomiting. Raisins and grapes are toxic to dogs and can lead to gastrointestinal or GI signs, abdominal pain, and lack of urination. Onions and garlic can cause GI signs, but also liver damage and anemia due to damage of red blood cells. We all know chocolate is toxic to dogs, but coffee and tea can also be toxic and all contain caffeine. However, chocolate contains some other substances that can affect the heart and can be deadly. Many sugar-free gums contain the chemical xylitol and can cause a severe decrease in blood sugar, resulting in weakness and seizures. Liver disease can also occur and usually results in GI signs and yellowing of the skin. Moldy food ingestion is not uncommon in pets that get into the trash and usually results in increased temperature, uncoordination, and tremors. Depending on the type of mushroom, some can be very toxic to pets and cause GI signs, hallucinations, and liver disease. Also, fruits like peaches and plums contain a pit that contains a cyanide-like substance. So if you believe your pet has ingested a toxic food, call the Animal Poison Control Hotline or your veterinarian immediately. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Mule deer antler restrictions are expanding into more Texas panhandle counties. Jessica Domel has the story in today's Wildlife Report. To curb excessive mule deer buck harvest, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is extending mule deer antler restrictions in an additional 21 counties in the Panhandle. Sean Gray, TPWD's Mule Deer and Pronghorn Program leader, told the Parks and Wildlife Commission that the move follows a successful experiment that began in 2018 and 19 in seven counties in the southwest Panhandle. And prior to the experiment in the southeast Panhandle, excessive buck harvest occurred primarily because of increased lease hunting and the popularity of mule deer hunting. This excessive buck harvest affected the mule deer buck sex ratio in the area with our survey data indicating a postseason sex ratio of about five does per buck. In addition, past intensive buck harvest impacted the buck age structure and because of this, staff received many requests from landowners and hunters to improve the buck age structure of the mule deer herd in this area of the panhandle. 
TPWD staff collected data on mule deer and estimated the average ear-tip-to-ear-tip spread of bucks standing in the alert position. Because of the average ear-tip-to-ear-tip spread on panhandle mule deer bucks is 21 inches, staff proposed to use a restriction with an outside spread of the main beams of 20 inches to protect younger age bucks, and it closely matched the distance between ear-tips when a buck is standing in alert position. Gray told the commission that data suggests the antler restriction would protect at least 80% of one-and-a-half to three-year-old bucks. About 80% of bucks four-and-a-half years of age or older would be harvestable. The antler restriction does not currently apply to MLDP properties. We'll have more on this mule deer regulation change and others on our next show. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. We traded both sides of the market in the cattle market on Thursday. Same thing in the cotton market. We had a mixed close. We'll take a closer look at all of Thursday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. On the Texas Ag Calendar, the McCullough County Farm Bureau is holding Food Connection Day on Wednesday, May 4th at the Tractor Supply Company in Brady. McCullough County Farm Bureau President Bobby Pierce joins us. Bobby, tell us about Food Connection Day in McCullough County. We're doing our Food Connection Day again in May. We've been doing it for several years now. We cook hamburgers, have hamburgers, chips, and uh, water, and it's for anybody in the community. And it's just a free hamburger for us to help promote agriculture and people to visit the latest updates on agriculture. It's McCullough County Farm Bureau's Food Connection Day coming up Wednesday, May 4th from 10.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Tractor Supply Company in Brady. If you'd like to have your event featured here on the Texas Ag Calendar, just shoot me an email. C. Martin, that's C-M-A-R-T-I-N, at txfb.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market traded both sides of unchanged on Thursday, and that's how we closed with a mixed market. April live cattle were up 30 cents, 138 even. June live cattle down 12, 134.10, while August was up 40 cents, 136.10. Mixed close in the feeder cattle market also. April feeders down 70 at 156.40. May feeder cattle down 47, 159.47. The August up $1.57. 174.27. Cash fed cattle market has been fairly active this week. We've seen a mostly steady market. Cattle selling at 138 on a live basis here in the south. When you look up north, dressed sales have been mostly 222. That's steady with the last week as well. Boxed beef prices higher on Thursday. Choice was up 44 cents, 271.48. Select up 33 at 261.38. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble and Riley Rhodes of Live Oak Livestock Auction in Three Rivers. 
Riley, how'd that sale go? I went pretty good today, Larry. Um, you know, looks like there were a couple more orders uh, in the house than what there was last week. Um, so the calves, uh, you know, they sold plenty steady to maybe four dollars higher in spots. Uh, Packer cows and bulls might have been two to, two to four lower. Um, the big cows still selling real well. They probably sold steady, but some of the uh, lighter frame cows and uh, uh, lighter weight cows probably were a little bit cheaper. Uh, had a few pairs eight uh, eight twenty five to thirteen seventy five. The bred cows eight hundred to twelve fifty. High yielding Packer cows eighty four to ninety two. Breaker seventy six to eighty four. Canners 32 to 68. High yielding Packer bulls 102 to 110. Low to medium yielding bulls 86 <clears throat> to dollar two. Uh, two to three weight choice steers 176 to 196. Heifer mates 146 to 168. Three to four weight choice steers 168 to 198. Heifer mates 142 to 164. Four to five weight choice steers 166 to 188. Heifer mates 140 to 158. Five to six weight choice steers 166 to 184. Heifer mates uh, 136 to 150. Six to seven weight choice steers 138 to 162. Heifer mates 124 to 138. Uh, seven to eight weight choice steers 126 to 142. And the heifer mates 118 to 132. So pleased with it today, you know, under these conditions, dry weather and everything, and the futures were off a little bit today, so I uh, thought we got along real good. Ended up with 1,451 head today. Are you aware of anything for next week? I do. I know of a couple of bigger bunches, uh, one set of uh, about 200 wean calves that are coming. Uh, got some really good uh, replacement heifers coming, about 75 of those next week that belong to our uh, 4-H kids, the commercial heifer show. We're going to sell them next week, so uh, gonna ought to, ought to have uh, plenty to look at next week. I have one other set of cows, too, I think going to be here, so uh, I'll have a pretty good run next week, probably 15 to 1,800. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Riley. 361-786-2553 is the office. Uh, 361-813-6650 is the cell. LiveOakLivestock.com is the web. Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble in deep south Texas, reporting for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs close mixed with April up 30 cents, 99.05. May hogs down 20 cents, 108.32. Mix close in the milk market also. April class three milk up fourteen cents, twenty four oh eight. May milk down twenty one at twenty four sixty four hundred weight. The cotton market closed mixed. The old crop under pressure while the new crop finished higher. We had the USDA export sales report on Thursday morning showing roughly 60,000 bales. That was a bit negative for the market. That pushed the old crop contract lower. But the Texas drought continues to spread, and traders are paying more and more attention to it. That's boosting the new crop cotton contract. We finished with May cotton down 249 points, 133.20, while December cotton was up 19 at 114.69. Not a whole lot of news in the grain markets on Thursday. We ended up closing slightly higher in the corn trade with May corn up one and a quarter, 757 and three quarters. New crop September corn up three and a quarter at 719 a bushel. Same story in wheat. Not a whole lot of news for traders to trade on. We had some selling pressure that pushed the market lower. New crop July Kansas City wheat down 12 and three quarters at 1073 and a quarter, while July Chicago wheat was down 15 and a half. 1025 and a quarter. In the energy markets, May natural gas up 37 cents at 640. May crude oil up 77 at $97 a barrel. The financial markets slightly higher Thursday afternoon. The Dow up 87 points, 34,583. The Nasdaq up 8 at 13,897. The S&P up 19, 4,500. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name is Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. 
Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.